Welcome back to The Black Madonna Speaks with me, your host, Stephanie Georgiev. Thank you so much for sharing your valuable time with me. And for those who have subscribed, thank you and a special thanks to my Patreon supporters, especially Linda Reinschild, Gerilyn Brousseau, Hattian Grobler, and Jennifer Johnson Lee, who sustained generosity and patience these past several years, have made my writings as well as this podcast possible. Another shout out to my new patrons. I want to welcome Henry Sims, Donna Blevins, William Piper, and Janie Newton to the fold. And if you would like to support this podcast, there are several ways to do that. You can subscribe, share, and like the podcast, and you can also make a one-time donation through PayPal or become a patron on Patreon. Details in the program notes. Well, it's hard to believe, but at the time of this recording, we are in September. Here, where I am at present in southwestern Bulgaria, it is definitely feeling like autumn. We've been blessed with a mild summer and regular rain, so it has been a lush, beautiful time. My home state of California is currently being scorched again. I sometimes wonder what's left to burn after the last few years of unprecedented and continuous fires, and my heart goes out to all who are suffering with the latest batch of heat waves and fires. You do not have to have me point out that for so many on earth, these are very challenging times on every level possible. My hope and prayer is to explore and share stories of different Black Madonnas as beacons of hope during troubling times. This episode is inspired by my current service in the Balkans. As any casual student of both history and current events knows, the Balkans are both a mystery as well as pivotal in terms of the history of both Christianity and European culture. As the current war in Ukraine rages just a few hundred miles north from where I'm stationed, I'm striving to understand the history that paved this crisis. I'm listening to an interesting course on Wondrium, the streaming service of the Great Courses. The course is on the history of Eastern Europe and is quite illuminating. It is fascinating to consider the Balkans as one of the first regions to be evangelized by the Apostle Paul. If one reads the Book of Acts, which mostly documents the formation of the early Christian movement in the first century after the Christ event, Paul kept getting kicked out of Asia Minor and had a dream for him to go to Macedonia. And he did. If you visit here, From Albania through Greece, Macedonia, and Bulgaria, there are many places that claim Paul visited and preached. It is a mystery as to why the West, and particularly, thinks this region has little or no history. This episode, called Loretto, Laurentani, and Primostin, is a delightful journey of connections between the Holy Land, the Balkans, and Italy. The Black Madonna of Loretto is currently in Ancona, Italy, which is on the Adriatic. It's a great port uh, that leads you to Italy. If you ever want to take a ferry boat from Albania to Italy, this is, this is your entry point. 
Now, Primostin is a Croatian town on the coast of the Adriatic, on the east side of the Adriatic, that has a unique history with the Black Madonna of Loreto. And the Camini Laurentani is a pilgrimage route connecting various Marian shrines throughout Italy, but is also dedicated to supporting and connecting all Marian shrines throughout Europe. If you listen to the episode where I discuss the Camino de Santiago de Compostela in the first months of the Black Madonna Speaks podcast, you've heard me discuss the ancient nature of the Camino. What is quite striking is that while the main pilgrim route most people are familiar with in northern Spain, the Camino de Compostela, or Way of the Stars, is actually a net that covers the entire European continent. In anthroposophical cosmology, the way to understand this phenomena is that the Earth has an imprint of the cosmos upon her. This means there are imprints of the starry constellations on the Earth. In very ancient times, the points of correspondence between the Earth and the heavens were the location of mystery centers. These were places where people could have a more direct contact with the spiritual world through oracles. If we look at places such as Stonehenge or the Oracle of Delphi, These are examples of such mystery centers. The paths between these mystery centers were called star routes. It is of note that the most traveled star routes were in northern Spain. As humanity continued to separate from the spiritual world, these centers, these mystery centers, transformed into sites of worship. In Europe, the most common practices in the early days were Druid rituals. Eventually, these sites transformed into Greek and then Roman ritual sites, and then ultimately, during the last 2,000 years, into Christian shrines, churches, and cathedrals. The Via Laurentana, or Via Laurentini, or the Camina, Laurentani, as the Italians call it, is a star route that transformed into a Marian pilgrimage route, specifically between Rome, Ancona, and Assisi. The association that supports this is called the Camini Laurentani Association, which is dedicated to connecting pilgrims on routes between European Marian shrines. If you visit their website, you can obtain maps and points of interest, a pilgrim visa, and more. The Black Madonna of Loreto is a fascinating story of how she got to Ancona. As with all medieval legends, the specific timeline is a bit sketchy, but I personally love the stories and look to the deeper symbolism of the legends. I obviously believe anything is possible and leave my listeners to draw their own conclusions. The Black Madonna of Loreto had her origins in Palestine. St. Helen of the Cross, the mother of Constantine the Great, is part of this story, and we'll be looking at her in the next podcast. For our purposes, 
at, in this podcast, it is of note that Helen is responsible for locating art, relics, and holy places throughout the Holy Land in the 4th century during her pilgrimage there. Through a combination of dreams and collaborating with Jewish archivists at the time, Helen found the birthplace of Mary in Nazareth. It was in this small one-room brick house, according to the legend, that Mary spent her childhood and also was visited by the Archangel Gabriel in this house, who told her of her contribution to the Incarnation. The house is called Santa Casa, or Holy House. Constantine built a church over the original house, and throughout various political upheavals, the church was destroyed and rebuilt several times. During the era of the Crusades, a new church was built so pilgrims could visit. But with the fall of Jerusalem and slow encroachment of Muslim forces, the Crusaders decided to dismantle the house brick by brick and transport it back to Europe for safekeeping. Depending on the legend you look at, the house was transported either by crusaders or by my personal favorite legend, the angels. The first destination was to Turkey, what is now modern Turkey. Then the house was transported to Greece and then Croatia and the final resting place in Ancona, Italy. The angels would fly the house to various areas where it was deemed safe, but those pesky Muslim forces kept encroaching on Christian territory, so Italy was considered the best place for the house. In materialistic history, it is of note that a bunch of bricks and materials entered Ancona from the Adriatic Ocean around the end of the 13th century. Carbon dating on the bricks and mortar that are now in a shrine dedicated to Loreto date the structure from both the time of Christ as well as the 14th century. From the time of Helen of the Cross, there had been a statue of a dark Madonna on one of the altars of the original shrine in Nazareth. This image was carved of olive wood and was attributed to St. Luke the Evangelist. I'm not sure if Helen discovered the statue and placed it there, but this is the story. The Black Madonna went with the church on the amazing journey to Ancona, either through the hands of the crusaders or transported with the angels, depending on how you wish to understand the legend. The house currently in the shrine in Ancona consists of three walls with a door and window that measures 31 feet by 13 feet, which I personally find interesting in terms of numbers, like a, a palindrome or something. It's just interesting, 31 by 13. This Madonna is considered the patron saint of aviators for obvious reasons, meaning she flew from Nazareth all the way across Europe and landed safely in Ancona. The original Black Madonna has an interesting story that is similar to so many other Black Madonnas in Europe. For one thing, she was attributed to St. Luke the Evangelist and carved in olive wood, making her presentation dark. 
Like other Black Madonnas, her presence on a pilgrim route made the shrine quite a destination in the 13th through the 17th centuries. Like other Black Madonnas, Our Lady of Loretto raised the ire of Napoleonic soldiers and in 1797 was stolen by said soldiers, but at least she was taken to Paris instead of being burnt at the stake. Our Lady was part of the Treaty of Tolentino and was returned with great fanfare, returning from Rome to Ancona in an elaborate eight-day journey before returning to the final resting place on December 9th 1801. During her four-year absence from the shrine, a copy of the statue was made of poplar wood. This statue was placed on a side altar of the shrine and is now enshrined at the Chiesa della Buona Morte in Canera, which is in Umbria, about 13 kilometers from Assisi. In 1921, a fire broke out inside the Holy House, which incinerated the sculpture. At the behest of Pope Pius XI, a new image similar to the original was immediately carved using the wood of a cedar of Lebanon from the Vatican Gardens. It was modeled by Enrico Quattrini and executed and painted by Leopoldo Solani. In 1922, the statue was crowned in St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican and solemnly transported to Loretto. Another interesting legend states that in anticipation of the Black Madonna destroying Napoleonic soldiers, the original statue was hidden in the city of Triea, and a copy was put in the shrine. When it was returned, the original never was replaced in the shrine, so it was the copy that got burnt. The so-called original statue was hidden in a convent and then taken by Visitandine nuns to Triea, where it is enshrined at the Church of Santa Chiara and performs miracles, as do all of the other images of Loretto. Again, I leave your connections and beliefs and, and understandings uh, to your own discretion. So what does all of this have to do with Primostan, Croatia? We have to go back to the Holy House or Santa Casa, which was discovered by St. Helen in the 4th century. Medieval legends state that the house is where Mary lived out some of her childhood, and it is where she experienced the Annunciation, or the visit by the Archangel Gabriel. These legends also state that Jesus spent his childhood in this house. After Jesus' ascension, the house was converted into a church where the apostles placed an altar at which St. Peter the Apostle celebrated the first Eucharist after the resurrection. There is an altar of the apostles inside the house that has been venerated as the authentic one from the Holy Land, where the original Black Madonna was placed. 
just before the final expulsion of the Christian crusader communities from the Holy Land, the house was miraculously carried by angels to safety. One of the stops where the house was deposited in 1291 was on a hill at Tersato, now called Srat in Croatia. This is quite a distance from Promostin, but FYI, in any case, in 1291, there was an appearance of the Virgin and many miracles associated with the event. The miraculous translation of the house and translocation of the house is said to have been confirmed by investigations made at Nazareth by messengers from the governor of Dalmatia at some point in the years around 1291. This information comes from Lives of the Saint, a popular book in 1876. We know that the house was flown or transported to the current shrine in Ancona and has been a popular pilgrimage destination since the 14th century. In the 1830s, in a Croatian village on the Adriatic called Primosten, a gentleman by the name of Marco Prig became quite ill. He had a vision of a painting of Our Lady of Loreto and was told that if he could bring the painting from Ancona, Italy to Primosten, he would be healed. As you can imagine, this was quite inspiring to Marco, so he headed out soon afterwards on a ship to Ancona, found the painting, and was healed. He was quite impressed with this experience and wanted to donate the painting to a local Catholic church in his hometown. The priest at that time, who was none too happy with the Italians, wanted nothing to do with the painting. Then, in 1835, a cholera epidemic hit Primiston. Marco felt that the painting of Our Lady of Loreto could help, and another priest who knew of the existence of the painting and Marco's miracle told the parishioners that they must take this painting and have a procession throughout the town as a remedy for the epidemic. Desperate, the villagers agreed, there began a procession, and the epidemic ceased. The painting was then placed in a village church and is there to this day. The banner of Primiston has an image of a black Madonna on it to commemorate this miracle. Every year from May 8th through May 10th, there is a pilgrimage to the shrine where Our Lady is honored with festival, special masses, and a great fanfare. On May 6, 2017, a large statue of Our Lady of Loreto was constructed on a hill, the Gai, which is next to Primiston. The statue is 17 meters high and is made of various materials. The statue of Primiston's patron saint was designed by an architect, Aaron Varga, and a mosaic artist, Milun Garchevich. It is coated in a mosaic pattern made of gold, silver, and stained glass. The statue consists of seven main parts and one more additional part, Our Lady's Crown. It will be the largest statue of this type in the world. Furthermore, 
The first part of the statue is a ring with various designs. The second state or ring of the statue is a symbolic representation of the tree of life with the monograph of Ave Maria. The third ring is in mosaics, which presents two hearts, and the main motif on the fourth ring is a mosaic of the birth of Jesus. Irregular geometric shapes adorn the fifth ring of the large statue. The sixth part consists of the mystic rose as a symbol of the Virgin Mary, and olives are also present in the design. The Madonna's head and Jesus, the baby Jesus, make the seventh ring, while the eighth part of the statue is an old Croatian crown studded with precious stones. The base of the statue is actually an empty space from which four biblical rivers will flow. Locals report that a reflection of sunlight on the mosaic tiles of the statue of Our Lady is actually visible all the way from the other side of the Adriatic, from a popular Catholic pilgrim site, which we know as Loreto in Italy sort of like an artistic lighthouse of sorts, but is very much obviously dependent on sunlight and clear skies. For those seeking apparitions of Mary, some of the most recent ones have occurred in Medjugorje in the 1980s. Medjugorje is in Bosnia-Herzegovina. I have yet to visit either of these places, Primostin or Medjugorje. But when my family and I traveled in this region of the world in the early 1980s, I can tell you Croatia and the Adriatic coasts are quite beautiful and obviously full of history, a history worth exploring. So thanks again for listening. Thanks again to my supporters. And as always, I wish you many blessings on your journey, the journey of the soul. This is Stephanie Georgiev. See you next time on The Black Madonna Speaks.